Hello boys and girls. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. I'll tell you a story, a staggering story, and now my story's begun. I'll tell you another of Captain Jack and his lover, and now my story's done. It's changed since I was a kid. 51st century kind of Jack and Ori. Ah, right. <laughs> oh, God. Dodgy in the extreme. <laughs> Welcome, welcome, welcome to this, the, what is it? 51st. 51st, the 51st Staggering Stories podcast. Mm. Gosh. Woo-hoo. I am Real Keith. I'm Fake Keith. I'm Adam. And I'm Jean. And that hole there isn't Crumbly. No. He's gone. Uh, He's having gone. a life. Having a bath, I think. <laughs> he should be. He's gone eight. Yeah. He's on his happy holidays for two, count them, two weeks. Lucky oh, lad. Yes, Crumbly gone. He'll be back soon. He's left us with notes, though. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. Copious and, and he's of in English, unlike mine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Crumbly can write in sentences. I can only write in committee speak. OK, without further ado, we shall launch staggeringly into the staggering stories, staggering news. Staggering. Really, truly staggering. I'm staggered. <sighs> Welcome. Well, Doctor Who news then. Woohoo! Woohoo! We finally have a companion name for Karen Gillan's character. Oh, it's not Grunhilda Nobnacker, is it? Not officially. <laughs> <laughs> so we can keep calling her that. We can keep calling her. Excellent. Uh, that's her if, secret name. If we see cool. her at a convention, we've got to say Miss Grunhilda Nobnacker. <laughs> Miss Nobnacker. We we'll get kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> Go on then. What's her name? I'm sure everyone already knows. Oh, but... Of course, Amy Pond. Now, as Jean pointed out, they seem to have a water theme going through Motif. Doctor Who at the moment. Yes. We've got River Song. Uh-huh. Amy Pond. Uh-huh. Waters the of episode, Mars. The episode, Waters of Mars, yes. Yeah. You've also got a tap. A tap. That water comes out of. As in a tap of the Cybermen. Uh, <laughs> oh, very good. You've been thinking of that all day. No, no, no. I was, I was thinking of the... Oh, oh the, uh, see, that's a tap. Yes, yes. Knock four times. And, and Tom Baker, who was the fourth doctor, when he was Sherlock Holmes in Hound of the Baskervilles, he smoked a pipe. See? Water yeah. theme. Right. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, you were saying. <laughs> Moving rapidly on. Rapids. Oh, oh God. God. Anyway, the name rather leaked out, it seemed. Leaked? Oh. Yeah, sorry. Uh, that's <laughs> the Welsh theme. Give him more that's material. special. We've got the Welsh theme in as well. Oh. It was announced at the same time the photo of Amy Pond and Matt Smith's 11th Doctor's costume appeared. There's no fanfare. No. There's no obvious reason why it's kept secret. Yeah. I don't understand why it was held back. What came first? I mean, the, the photo I've seen on the site, but was it an official BBC photo or was it the press photography nipped in there, took a quick flash and run off again photo? Well, initially I thought it was just somebody on set with their 
phone camera or something, yeah. but the BBC got a high-res version with the BBC logo on it on the website, so mm. it must have been official. Oh, well. Very mm. Hiding yeah. things for the sake of it. But that leads into... The um, Doctor's costume has been revealed. Yeah. The 11th Doctor's costume consists of a tweed jacket, bow tie, braces, rolled up trousers and black boots. It's Pat Troughton. Opinions on the look have been divided. Yeah. Esquire editor Jeremy uh, Langmead, who we all hold in high regard, I'm sure. We do. Said, the cross between rookie geography teacher and club kid works well. A bit of old school time traveller meets modern day adventurer. So he quite likes it. I think he likes it, yeah. But Andrew Groves, who's director of fashion at the University of Westminster. Oh, well, he must know what he's talking about. Says, it seems a curiously British idea to make the lead character in a primetime TV look purposefully and perversely less attractive than they actually are. Hmm. I'm not sure if Andrew likes it or not. (laughs) He fancies him. (laughs) Comparisons have also been drawn between the new look and that of Pee Wee Herman and Indiana Jones in lecture mode. I agree with the Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there are shades of Pat Troughton's Doctor in there. I wasn't struck on the costume when I first saw it. I think it's going to have to grow on me. Mm. I quite quite liked it, it. yeah. It's very very Indiana Jones. It's Professor-like. I wonder if Mm. Amy will start calling him Professor. Oh, I hope not. I'm just saying, it strikes to my mind more of the original classic series Doctors. Yeah. Tennant and Eccleson's costume could come from modern day. They could walk into life quite easily. Yeah. yeah. Whereas certainly Pertwee's, Hartnell's and Troughton's costumes always seem to come from a decade earlier. Uh, Hartnell's costume was Edwardian. Troughton's was a variation of Edwardian, sort of comicked up. You you had certainly Pertwee's costume was Victorian. This one is sort of 1920s. I have to say, Mm. though, seeing Amy's costume, disregarding the sweatshirt, the skirt is definitely the swinging 60s. And Zoe would have been happy to have a skirt that short. How the heck she's going to run anyway? And she has got very long legs. Yes. Are you sure it wasn't a belt and they've just caught it between buildings? Piece of cloth. (laughs) Not that I'm jealous of of anything. No, 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 no. Also following on from our Doctor Who, we have a slightly new-look TARDIS. Yeah. Yes. It's been slightly spruced up. I'm not sure if it's a new prop or just a paint job, though it does look slightly larger. Yeah, I think it's a lot taller. Look at those pictures of Matt Smith standing outside it, and he's not a short bloke. It looks bigger. Hmm. Might be wrong. Don't think it is, but it does look taller. Yeah. Yeah. I like the fact they've put the St John's ambulance cross back on it. It it harks back to the original Hartnell police box, i.e. it's got white-rimmed windows and the St John's ambulance logo is back there. From the photographs I've noticed, the the wood grain is certainly more defined for for the HD, I would imagine. It looks more stained than it does painted. Yeah. Do we know if they've done anything to the insides, though? Rumours have it Mm. that they are redoing the inside because, again, it has to be made HD ready. The Tennant Eccleson console room wasn't HD. Mm. You could see the tape and whatever, so (laughs) it's... Hardest. Yeah, it's either it's either the rumor has it they've either gone for a completely new retro look or the original is going to have to be spruced up. Mm. Mm. 
Which is interesting how new the outside of the TARDIS looks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's brand new. Yeah. Oh, one wonders if um, the chameleon circuit has been reset or reinstalled from the last safe model, Maybe. which was the, <laughs> which was the Hartnell Peace Box. So the TARDIS has restored itself. I do have to wonder, though, what constitutes HD ready when they're releasing films in HD that they made over 30 years ago. <laughs> exactly. And they seem to be ready for HD. <laughs> yeah. They could do the old Dalek films, couldn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all on film. Quite easily. Okay, off of Doctor Who completely. Futurama, brilliant cartoon, if I say so myself. Good news, everybody. Not this time. Bad Bad news. Bad news, everybody. The future of Futurama is going to sound different. Whilst we are overjoyed, Futurama will be joining us next year. These celebrations may be limited when Fox announced that it was to produce 26 new episodes, but due to budget cuts may not be able to recruit the voice cast that it originally had <laughs> yeah mm, so can we find anyone that can do the voices of the people they couldn't afford to hire yeah. <laughs> according to variety talks have broken down between 20th century fox tv and stars billy west katie seagull john dimaggio maurice la marche and tress mcneil over how much they should be paid to take part in the show so now the studio is looking for new cast which could, of course, just be Fox hoping to call the actors bluff and the hope that the deal can be struck. But for now, reckons Variety that the studio is serious about looking for replacements. It's also reported that the resurrected show will also have to cope with a smaller writing staff and a quicker production schedule. <sighs> You kind of feel like they want to try and kill off something that they tried yeah. to kill off yeah. and only brought it back because of fans. It's yeah. again, it's Fox giving you exactly what you want, just not necessarily yeah. how you want it. Yeah. And I, I hope the actors call their bluff back. Yeah. They've, they would have made enough money to be comfortable till the next yeah. role comes along. I mean, I would oh. love... I would love to see more Futurama. I'd love yeah. to see how it was. But if it's going to be slightly off or something indefinable yeah. wrong with it... Well, then... in my opinion, something was indefinably wrong with it when they released the straight-to-DVD yeah. stories. Yeah. Mm. It just wasn't the same. Well, I think it'd be very hard for them to recast. Oh, yeah. They might try to get sound-alikes, but uh, you'd, you'd be able to tell them, usually. Yeah. Sam Raimi has signed on to direct a big screen version of the legendary fantasy role playing game World of Warcraft, <laughs> which is dead cool. <laughs> the current plan is that it will be the director's next film after Spider Man 4. The Dark Knight's Charles Roven is on board as producer. World of Warcraft, as you all know, is a, <laughs> is a global phenomenon featuring an epic battle between the Horde and the Alliance in a world of magic and people with pointy ears who aren't Vulcans. Oh. It was launched in 1994 and continues to sell strongly. The most recent expansion pack sold over 4 million units within a month. At its core, Warcraft is a fantastic action-packed story, Raimi said in a statement. I think the follow-up is that, duh. Yeah. I think if anyone can do justice to that and make it a watchable film, it will be Sam, yeah. Zena, oh, yeah. Hercules, and any zombie you like, yeah. decent movie. I was going to say, it's, it's got to be done stupidly. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Well, it has to have a sense of humour. Oh, yeah. completely, because, yeah, yeah, exactly. Some of the characters, non-player characters you come across yeah. are just ridiculous. What, are you going around peeling bunnies? Oh, I'm good at peeling bunnies the, the only the only downside of that entire announcement i find is spider-man 4 <laughs> yeah three was pretty bad well for that i think they were planning six oh, spider-man please, films in total i now. seem to remember reading somewhere it's just i'm not a teenager yeah. anymore yeah. isn't it 
Here's one for Crumbly. Oh, he's not here. Shame. Not here. Uh, but the Tron sequel has now been given a name. Could oh. somebody Ooh. make an excited sound, please? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Uncanny impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> called Tron Legacy. It's basically a story about a son's search for his father. Star Jeff Bridges told the audience in San Diego. The first Tron, when we made that, there was no internet. Cell phones were a big thing you carried around in a case. So what you saw was so new and fresh, and I guarantee that you're going to get the same kind of pop with this one. Everything is going to be superized. There's also, to go along with this, a, uh, a viral website marketing Sounds thing. Sounds dodgy, a viral yeah, website. Called Flynn Lives at www.flynnlives.com and fills some of the backstory of what's happened to Jeff Bridges' character in the meantime. Because he's he, now a trailer. Because yeah, he was a human, wasn't he? He wasn't the sprites. He's still human and he's been in the machine for about 20 years, apparently. Oh. According to the trailer, but we'll see. You can hear the dust bunnies rolling. Oh, I'm just trying to do it for Crumbly because he's not here. Our next one is about a book I actually am reading at this moment, but I'm going for the old-fashioned Dragon Goes to School. That's the one! (laughs) The old-fashioned paper version. Amazon have remotely deleted 1984 from Kindle e-book readers. Hundreds of Amazon Kindle owners, which is some kind of e-book reader, have had their electronic copies of George Orwell's Animal Farm and 1984 deleted from their e-book readers overnight, according to David Pogue's tech blog over the New York Times. It seems that the publishers which had offered these electronic editions changed their mind, and so Amazon remotely deleted those books from the people's kinders and refunded the purchase price to their accounts. But did the Kindle owners who had bought and paid for these editions own them? Apparently not. Does anyone not get the link that this is to do <laughs> yeah. with 1984 and Big Brother? It's yeah. scary, isn't it? And Newspeak and Will It yeah. Raise the Pass? Apparently, per one of Pogue's comments was... It's like Barnes and Noble sneaking into our home in the middle of the night taking some books that we've been reading off our nightstands and leaving us a cheque on the coffee table. That is, that is extremely dodgy. Yeah, yeah. I find it slightly alarming that you can download something onto your whatever iPod or ebook, having paid for it, yeah. and they can wipe it. That, that yeah. subject, yeah. you've downloaded it, you've paid for it, then that is yours. Well, not it according isn't. to it, Yeah, but it, it isn't now. Not, not with these ones. So what's yeah. the point of paying for it then? Yeah. You know, as I did, I went to, into a shop and said, could I have a copy of 19? 19- 84, gave them the, my money and walked out. I now own that book. Yeah. The shop doesn't own that book that's around in my you handbag. Yeah. How does it work different if it's an e book? It's a shame George Orwell's not around today. He'd have mm. had a field day oh. with that. Yeah. The book is your property to, well, your property to take away and read at your leisure and read as many times as you like. Yeah, yeah it's all very. Well, this dodgy. is obviously something produced by the Ministry of Truth, isn't it? <laughs> yes. So, but if they, if they can take stuff off of something as piddly as an mp3 player what else can they do in some countries such as australia it's actually now public domain it's past copyright oh really <laughs> yeah but not in live in australia no. which surprises me because it wasn't an american that <laughs> wrote it yeah <laughs> it's a bit of news out there for people who know anything at all about the staggering stories of ferdinand de bargos oh, oh yes <laughs> well tell us about the staggering stories of ferdinand de bargos 
TV series back on BBC Two in 1989, about 1992-ish, I think. It's a comedy programme which took old clips, mainly black and white. Newsreels, if I remember right. Yeah, and revoiced to make comedy and it was really good. Mm-hmm. And indirectly, that's how we came by the name of this podcast. Yeah, the, the inspiration for. Yeah. But the news is that there's a film of the staggering stories of Ferdinand Vargas coming out mm-hmm. soon. How would they do that? Take film footage again? And, and I don't move quite on, know so. yet. Hmm. It's a 90-minute film. They push it around to distributors. Yeah. And there is hope it will make some kind of appearance, either on the big screen or on DVD, perhaps. I don't know. Are we going to be able to review this? One would hope. Well, at some point. <laughs> I've had contacts with a couple of the people who used to produce the old TV series. Dun, dun, dun. They're the ones who told me about it. Oh, wow. They're they're not suing us for copyright. (laughs) That would be ironic. (laughs) So I hope uh, sometime soon for us to be able to talk about it. Even review it. Yes. Cool. That would be good. In the meantime, unfortunately, you can't actually get hold of the original series. It's not been released on DVD. It hasn't been repeated forever. I think there might be a few phantom things out on YouTube. There's a couple episodes on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, well worth seeking out. Yes. It's a shame. Some of the nonsense they put out on DVD. Yeah. And they've missed something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I still can't get a full copy of Morris A Life with Bells on. <laughs> There's a reason. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have an addendum. Sad news. Oh, Seriously, Captain moment. Pugwash is dead. Oh, oh no! Oh, Horatio, he is no more. Unfortunately, yes. this is the case. Cartoonist John Ryan, who created Captain Pugwash, has recently died at the age of 88. So, Tom, the cabin boy, and Willie, the cabin boy. <laughs> Roger. <laughs> no, Roger. No, no, Roger. <laughs> Um, are going to be without the creator. Apparently, Pugwash was created in 1950, which was was published the same year as the first edition of the Eagle comic. Wow. The black and white episodes we most remember and the colours were in 1967 and the BBC in 1970s. Yeah, that used to be the last thing... Before the news came on. Was it Jordan's programme, though? It was only people with sick minds made it. It was on during the children's else. hour. Shall we put it that way? <laughs> I always link it in with Ivor the Engine. Yes, yeah, it was the same, the same nog. Nog in the Nog. It was God, the same there were some dodgy titles. <laughs> <laughs> You'd never be allowed to do them now. Oh, dear. And I, and I have a follow-on from Podcast 49. Ooh. Tim asked if there had ever been a Tim in Doctor Who. Oh, he did. She, yeah. She's been doing her research. She and has. apparently in Human Nature, third series of mm-hmm. the new Doctor Who, there was a character called Tim Latimer. Yes. I.e. the young lad that found the Doctor's the pocket watch, watch yep. in Human mm. Nature. Yep. The one who was in Love Actually. Yes, yes, that's the one. We also have a Karen, but unfortunately, Karen was only in a big finished production series of Eighth Doctor's New Adventures, originally on the BBC Radio 7. We'll have to find it. She was played by Louise Fullerton. Oh, right. We have no Keiths, I'm afraid. That's for the best. (laughs) All right. We know our Adam. Check yeah. the file. The similarities yeah. are so amazing. <laughs> there's two. There's two. One and the old one in you. Yeah, yeah. You, you went with the old one, if I remember rightly. Yeah, the old one's much better. And yeah. if we want to really stretch it, there was a Gene. Only he was in Reign of Terror, and his name was Jean Pierre, but it's spelled Ooh. Gene. What about Andy? What about Andy? He's not here. He oh, no, I couldn't find an Andy. Oh, there is an Andrew. Tegan's grandfather there was called Andrew, Andrew Verney. I suppose you could have him then. Yeah.
I have one final, I think, addendum. Right. Nip yourself over to the Forbidden Planet website. Which one? There's two. There's Forbidden Planet, Code.UK and ForbiddenPlanet.com. It two could, different companies. It could be Code.UK. Along with the first and second Doctor's figurines from character options, they've also produced a third Doctor figure with a Death to the Daleks Dalek, complete with machine gun instead of exterminator stick. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you'll have an alternate third Doctor in cloak just a cloak <laughs> just a cloak yeah <laughs> the kinky dog <laughs> explains a lot the flasher dog and they've also got another three set of daleks one is the saucer commander from invasion earth right one is the gold dalek from day of the daleks uh-huh. and i can't for the okay. life of me remember what the third one is but it's a third dalek <laughs> it's, it's a mystery dalek, dalek on the left isn't it yeah a mystery third dalek on the left well i'm sure we'll have links up so you go and have a look yourself not the case of dalek fanboy and can no. tell you what episode it was by the color of the dalek not at all <laughs> <laughs> or the fact that he has a Dalek called currently sitting on his dining room table ready to exterminate anything that goes anywhere near the dining room table. That's mine. No, we wouldn't <laughs> like to imply these. That, that's her Dalek That's called. mine. It's great for scaring cats. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you press all their heads and they start mm-hmm. talking at once. <laughs> okay, any more? No. Going once, going twice. That's the end of the news, people. That takes us neatly with no link whatsoever onto Torchwood. Ooh. Torchwood. Outside the government, beyond the police. Fighting for the future on behalf of the human race. 21st centuries when everything changes. And Torchwood is ready. Should we start with the radio place? Why not? I actually listened to these. Mm. Me too. Me too. Live. Me, Me three. three. Me four. <laughs> Didn't listen to them live. It was on the bus. I listened in Called the car. Two. Okay, what have we got? Three new plays on three consecutive days. Uh-huh. Starting with Asylum, then we had Golden Age, and finally The Dead Line. Dun-dun-dun! But should we start at the beginning? I think it's probably the best place to start. It is a very good place yeah, to start. Yes, work your way through to Asylum. This Asylum. was my favourite. I don't okay. know why. I don't know why it was my favourite. I just thoroughly enjoyed it. Here, here. Hmm. One thing that did concern. Well, El Presidente. Do you want to give a brief rundown of what it was about? It's quite a low key one. It's about a young woman who comes through the rift from the future and is haunted by the terrible future she's from. Yeah. The discrimination against her because she's half alien or quarter alien or something like that. Yep. Ghosty. Ghosty. Yes. Yes. And it's really Torchwood trying to figure out who she is what she's all about if she's she's a threat and trying to stop her going mental (laughs) this one left me with a nasty taste in my mouth because yeah (laughs) growing up in the 70s and then to some extent into the 80s you came across people they were the sort of people who in the 50s and 60s would hang signs in their windows saying no blacks no irish and by the end of this one i was classing jack in amongst them he was so against this girl just because she was an alien he was more willing to get rid of her kill her off send her back where she came from rather than try and help her and it it left me feeling jack you're a bit of a git (laughs) 
as a kind of metaphor for race. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But if you divorce yourself from that metaphor a bit and just go for the reality of it, she is literally an alien. Alien DNA. But also human DNA. Sorry? But also human. Yeah, but she's come back in time and she's polluting the timeline by being here and changing the future by her DNA being... Well, no, well, no, because they'd already arrived, hadn't they? The the, the ghosties in their escape capsule had already yeah, by this they were point already alive, there. Because one of them marries all... Has, yeah. has a, they were maybe. technically there. I'm afraid Jack is the last person who should be allowed to wave the flag for not arsing around with the timelines. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the thing I liked about this one was it was a little bit different. Most stories would come in and say, here is an alien girl from the future, and follow her story. Mm. But it didn't. It was a story about what they're going to do with her. And at the end of it, you still don't know, is it she part vampire yeah. or what? Because it was almost vampire. Well, I, yeah, I got the impression she's vampire. It's almost like you've you got the feeling this is part one and there's going to be more. And I quite yeah. like that in a way, that for once it wasn't a story about a nasty greenly. No. It was about how we're dealing with the nasty mm. or the alien or what have you. And having that kind of dip in and dip out of the story was jarred because you thought, okay, where's part two? Yeah. yeah. On the other hand, it was quite an interesting concept. And certainly by the end of it, nothing was resolved. No. It was just no. a, a snapshot. Completely. It wasn't my favourite. Not saying I didn't like it. I did like it. But it, it was a perfect, for my mind, for radio because it was a yeah. very small, mm. personal story. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't very wide repercussions. But They couldn't have done it on TV. Oh, no, no. I don't, th- I don't think there would have been enough mm. going on for yeah, TV. Yeah. But it, it, was, it was perfect for radio. Yeah, definitely. I, I think they had their times a bit muddled because she was, gave a specific address. Mm-hmm. and the name of what turned out to be her grandmother. And Gwen did a search trying to find this name, and rather than saying, oh, yeah, Maggie Smith's just been born, yeah. she was old enough already to have national insurance number, tax, etc., etc. Mm. But this girl seemed... Oh, it was 2069, wasn't yeah, I think it? so, yeah, 2069. So I suppose the alien DNA might have given them longer life, but it just struck me that the time time was a bit out. Yeah. Could be. Unless everyone had their kids later on in life. Well, yeah. <laughs> I thought Erin Richards, who played uh, Frida, was outstanding. Mm, mm. Very good. A lot of hard lines. Yeah. A lot of weird kind of futures. Yeah, there yeah. was yeah, a lot of slang terms. And she also did it well. You you knew which was the bits where she was actually speaking that Gwen and that could hit, and which were the bits in her own yeah. mind. Yeah. 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 It was like going to the theatre probably in the 19th century when they did comic asides. Yeah, to, yeah. to Frankie just Howard. The, well, yeah. yeah. Shakespearean. <laughs> Yeah, Only this wasn't a funny thing happening on the way to the fort. No. <laughs> and also this one featured PC Andy. Yes. Yeah, heavily. I like PC Andy, I have to admit. <laughs> mm, it was very Gwen and PC Andy heavy. Yeah, to, to, certainly to begin with. A very light on uh, Jack and Yanto. Was it recorded when Jack was off doing a Saturday um, TV programme <laughs> by the chance? Could have been, could have been. The next one... Golden Age. Set in India. Yes. With my favourite character out of any of them so far, the Duchess. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she was brilliant. Yeah. It did take me a moment to, to actually realise they were all in India. Yeah. And so that they not only did they let them out of the hub, they let them out of Cardiff and Britain. Yeah. <laughs> so how many other Torchwoods were there? There's 
Golden Age is my favourite out of all three of the plays because it opens up so many possibilities. Yeah. You know, was there a Torchwood in every country that the British Empire was in? So that means, was there a Torchwood Hong Kong, uh, a Torchwood uh, Canada, a Torchwood and... Australia, Torchwood New Zealand? And if so, what's been gone? left behind? <laughs> this one is all about, as you say, the ex-Torchwood yep. India office and some weird energy spikes, I presume. Yes, picked up from Cardiff. Draw the team there to find out what's happening. And it transpires that Torchwood India isn't dead and gone, but is stuck in some kind of time bubble. And there's a time safe, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah sort the of, 1920s. Sort of like a fridge. That's, was, yeah. Wasn't that what Yanto said? Yes. It's all right for keeping a sandwich fresh for a few days, but you really shouldn't be doing it with a whole building yeah. for 80 years. And the further they got away from the 1920s, the more energy was required to keep it active. And what was the energy source? And it given the impression that it's life force. Yeah. They were using um, a net, an energy net to scoop up Indians, local populants. I like yeah. the fact, though, that she does justify it by the fact that it is carbon neutral. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> At least she's being environmentally friendly. Friendly, yeah. Trying to keep up the current up to, up to date yeah this is certainly the most humorous of the three yes a lot mm-hmm. of good banter between the duchess and jack, jack. jack. Yeah. yeah now this one is is the majority of uh, jack heavy this yeah. one this one was also quite political as well in some respect because you had the whole thing about her wanting to take it back before the divide between the partitioning, the, the partitioning yeah. of india and mm. all the chaos she thinks that came about by that also the whole idea that she felt that the india was better for the British Empire. Yeah. And it, the and it, days of the Raj. I had feelings of it almost having a slightly political undertone. Well, she was refer- referring to, what was it, that ghastly man Gandhi? I mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> when it also showed her attitude is the fact that after he had done what she needed him to do, she would quite happily sacrifice him. We don't want that ghastly little spiv in our great oh, golden yeah. age. So they pushed him into the machine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were very, quite very vile. Sweet, very yes. Yeah. Very yeah. 1920s. Yeah. yeah. I think the word you're looking for is racist. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> also, this one, I love the sound effects for this one. Mm. The, when Gwen and Yanto and eventually Jack and Daz are locked in the room with the energy net, it was a freaky sounding thing. It was meant to be electrical mechanical, but there was these strange moans and groans mm. in there. It just sounded so weird and freaky. Yeah. It's full of dead Indians. <laughs> yeah. This one had a proper resolution unlike the previous yes. one, but it was the usual kind of fairly weak reverse polarity sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a standard cop-out. But also the the threat for this one was up because they were trying to take the, eventually trying to take the whole world back to 1920. Yeah, it wasn't very clear how they are going to do that, nor was I very clear how they their time bubble, their time safe, kept them on the same day, yet time allowed was clearly pe- still moving for them, but yeah. they just weren't ageing. And it allowed people well, in and out. It's, from what I was given, it was certainly a variation of what has happened to Jack. Jack is an immutable point, but he's still travelling down his own timeline. He's still getting older. Mm, maybe. It's mm. a bit odd. So they're, they're still learning. They're still yeah. living their life. Yeah. But on the same day, over and over and over, it's a bit groundhoggy. I don't know. Yeah, I think, <laughs> think that was it. Groundhog day without the amnesia. Yeah, they were allowed out. 
got the feeling that the Duchess and the rest of them didn't go out. No. That they had people go out yeah. come yeah. in and out. Yeah. They, had, they the, had their servants, yeah. but they didn't actually leave the building. They couldn't leave. Yeah. yeah. And after 80 years, talk about holding a grudge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, that's it, the first time we were introduced with the Duchess and what she do? Tries to blow Jack's head off. Mm. <laughs> I suspect there's a fair few creatures out in the cosmos that would be sympathetic to her cause. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jack's first line when he sees her, did he miss me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. He said, only just. <laughs> yeah. I went with the third. <laughs> what was it? Would I lie to you again? Yeah, <laughs> yeah some very good comedy moments there. Yeah. But the next one, the mm. last one, was kind of creepy. Mm. Yeah. I have to say, with my sapphire and steel head on, yes. this was my favourite one. Yeah. There, there was definitely a sapphire and steel vibe running yeah. through it. Yeah, very much. I think I like this one. Yes, you've got the sapphire and steel element, which I did love. I really liked the whole bit with the Anto beside Jack's bed as well. The, the, mm. That intimacy yeah. of one character there for Mum, mm. which Torchwood doesn't always no. do. It's all packed with adventure and fast pace. Yeah. And I just thought that, yeah. from Gareth David Loyne's point as Yanto, that was actually a very good bit of acting. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, certainly that is what all the radio plays have done, even the one last year. Yeah. They sort of so. step back from the characters slightly and you learn a little bit more about their emotions and their inner feelings rather than wham, bang, explosion. And zap Kapowie. Oh, yeah, definitely. Batman and Robin. Yeah. Except in Jack's part, who would still like to go wham bam, thank you, <laughs> ma'am. Yes, <laughs> yeah, <good>. yeah. <laughs> But what was this one about then? The deadline. The line that is dead. Not <laughs> your kind of deadline, the phone. Yes, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it is about what they described as a virus, computer-like virus, living in the phone system, phoning up people with these old-fashioned yeah. phones, which have been taken from the original site, yeah. and somehow wiping their minds, shutting their minds yeah. down. It was infecting the individuals. Yeah. yeah, bringing them into a kind of network, which is then calling more people, and it's kind of growing. Yeah, growing. exponentially. It's all a bit weird. I wasn't entirely clear on how it all started. Thunderstorm. It was a thunderstorm that broke a long, long drought. You, my impression was that there was this wasn't an actual thunderstorm. Yeah. there was yeah. some kind some, of was, rift. Yeah. <laughs> something yeah. was in the thunderstorm in the lightning that and it hit came the building, in and it landed in the phone. So it might be an electrical creature being in a thunderstorm, and it yeah. found the electricity in the phone line. Yeah. Because they had a group of people from the offices from the 1970s when it first who'd hit. been in a coma for 30 years. Mm. It was a shame because you never found out what happened to them when they woke up. No. Some no. sort of reaction from them would have been... Oh, my God, I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All oh right, then, God, perhaps I'm not. Dead, <laughs> yeah, some of them, yeah. And how, how unlikely is it that this company, that's, that's just some basic piddly little company from the 1970s has taken full responsibility for an entire building worth of staff and has paid for their medical upkeep for the <laughs> next 30 years? That's a good health plan. Yeah. I don't think so. Probably <laughs> but- fairly cheap. Well, they don't, don't do much, sleep. do they? Yeah. They just lie down and sleep. Again, this one, basically, it's a combination of what's gone before. I, it's threatening the whole planet because it, mm. it's exponentially getting larger and larger and larger. But it's also a very small personal piece. Yeah. Certainly with uh, Yanto and an unconscious Jack. Yeah, Jack, mentioned before. Jack, he just leaps straight in, picks up the phone. phone yeah, hello, what's that? people to be knocked out. Yeah. And again, we have a regular, semi-regular. Yeah. Rich, in this case,
case was uh, Reese Williams. Yep. Wasn't he a bit thick? <laughs> She'd explained yeah. to him using small words and big pictures <laughs> that there's something in the phones that's doing this to people. And the phone rings and he goes to answer it. Yeah. But I'll give him his due. As he points out, she phones him to tell him there's something in this the is true. This is but, true. Uh, may, maybe doesn't even text a message him. No, no, we're not texting. We'll phone him up. Reese operates on an instinctive level. If something you happens, he automatically. Was... No, no, no. Intuitive. Yeah, a bit thick. I, I must admit, I usually don't tend to listen to audio plays. I'm, I'm a book girl and I like me visual, so I like the TV. But I actually did enjoy all three of these. I've listened to mm. them either at lunchtime yeah. on me, I play on the car. And I've actually wanted yeah. to listen to all mm. three. I've wanted to get to the end of them. They weren't that long and they're nice and captured, yeah. but they were very well acted. The sound effects and everything else were very oh, yeah. well done. Mm. I've had some audio books where I've just given up the ghost halfway yeah. through. Yeah. But all three of these, if anyone out there hasn't listened to them, oh, I'd God. give them a go because they, they are nice little capsules of yeah. story and they yeah. are very well done and they're gripping yeah. for the oh, yeah. 40, 45 it, it, minutes. They do hold you, they do hold you. And again, it's a nice little um, easing in taster for mm. what is to come. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, Children of Earth, then. It's nothing quite as creepy as kids oh. behaving as kids. <laughs> You've got it in Poltergeist, Children of the Corn. It's it's something that you're familiar with, suddenly taken out of context. Completely. And it's freaky as all hell. Yeah, just standing there, <laughs> we are coming. Although totally unrealistic, really was unrealistic. You've got, obviously, harassed mother trying yep. to get Kitty to come home. Kitty stands stock still, declaring we are coming, we are here, blah, 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 blah. And she didn't clip him round the ear. <laughs> <laughs> She's obviously a new mother that does not believe in physical abuse to the child and you need to negotiate with your child to make it do what you want. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm, yeah, right, okay. <laughs> there are a few people that work at my fine establishment nah. who don't actually know that I like a Doctor Who and talks with them into sci-fi. It's <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> hard to believe after 20-odd years, but this is true. And I found with Children of Earth, I actually had colleagues coming up to me at lunchtime saying, did you see that Torchwood the other night? Mm, snap. Mm. I think it started just as Michael Jackson's funeral was being aired. Yeah. And someone came flouncing night. into work and, did you see Michael Jackson's funeral? And of the 15 people in the room, 13 of us had watched Torchwood. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I've infected people and it was all my fault. <laughs> but I tell you, we're, this... We're back to deadline again, aren't we? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, given that Torchwood is the young upstart, the, the spin-off, this was the best Doctor Who-related story I've seen in a long time. Oh, yeah. And I really think if they were going to do this with any series, they should have done it with Doctor Who over five nights mm. because it was absolutely brilliant. That's a point. Torchwood has always been billed as an adult version of Doctor Who. Yes. And now, unfortunately, for the first two seasons, someone somewhere has thought adult means sex and swearing. Particularly mm. the first season. Particularly yeah. the first season. For this season, this stripped series number three, you can believe that this is an adult yeah. version. Yeah. It's one of the only things for quite some time that has been must-see TV. Completely. Nine o'clock, I am there in front of the telly, silence throughout the house. <laughs> 
I mean, this is saying something in the days of video, hard disk drive, Sky Plus, iPlayer. There are umpteen ways to miss a TV programme and catch up with it when you get home. And likewise, this is the first time that I actually wanted to be watching this when it went out. Yeah. I didn't want to watch it three hours later in case someone told me something. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. yeah. I yeah. actually wanted to see it. It's almost like being involved with it. You knew that other people watching it yeah. real time. And I haven't had that sense of a lot of people being interested in the programme for many, many, many mm. years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're going back to probably Who some of the, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. that kind of era, some of the Tom Baker Doctor Who era <laughs> kind of thing. The characterizations were top notch. Oh, yeah. And oh, I'm yeah. not just talking about the regulars. No. The extras, the additional characters, they were all rounded, they were all believable. I just can't say enough good things oh, about God, it. No. No. All stories have a flag, and I thought number four kind of flagged a little bit. <laughs> four, that's the one mainly set in the Cobra yeah. briefing room. Yeah. But I did like the minister and the fact that... Civil servant. The civil servant. Civil servant. Mr. Frobisher. Yeah. Mr. Frobisher. Frobisher. And he was the catalyst for his secretary oh. almost pulling down the government at the yeah. end. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that if they hadn't driven him to the point where he had to shoot himself and his family she would have gone with whatever the government has said yeah. but it was almost mm. like you can betray the country you can betray the voters but you don't betray me you yeah. don't yeah. betray my boss I got the feeling with her until literally the last episode that she was a bitter woman mm. she'd seen so many things pass her by and pass her colleagues oh, yeah. by because she was obviously an intelligent woman yeah. and she was essentially stuck as a glorified secretary yeah. when she could have been a lot more Although anyone, anyone so stupid as to give their password to the temp. You obviously have never worked in local or central government. I'm sorry, my password to get into Facebook was harder to crack than that. (laughs) (laughs) That was my main, probably my one and only real gripe with it, that a password to protect a lot of the country's great secrets... Didn't even have a bleeding capital letter in it, let alone... Did. The H was capital. What, the H for Hastings? <laughs> yeah. we ha- that was it. Well, we should probably back up here. We- okay. <laughs> okay. You should not be listening to any of this if you haven't seen it. Oh, yeah. Spoiler music, spoiler music. <laughs> la, 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 la. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. The plot. <laughs> in very basic terms, the plot is fairly simple on the face of it. There is a signal from an alien race which is transmitted through children, yep. bizarrely, just to freak everybody out mainly, mm-hmm. it seems. And... The these aliens have come back after 44 years after having made contact with the British government back in 1965 yep. and they want the children 10% of the Earth's children for it turns out drugs right. yep. that's it they've come back for a fix right. Yeah, and of course Captain Jack and his team are there trying to fight them off and the government initially inexplicably tried to kill off Torchwood mm-hmm. although it later turns out the reason they do it is because Captain Jack was involved well, in 1965 the, yeah the initial they're trying to cover that up and then you have a, a standoff between the government Torchwood and the aliens the 456 yeah never have a name no and was it the frequency they that were was, that was the frequency they were contacting yeah. yeah and then it all comes to a bit of a head at the end and we'll get to that I suppose yep our government didn't come out of this 
very well at all. Uh, we have a few notes from Andy about oh, that, the Prime we? Minister. Yeah. Oh, good, because uh, he, he was a knob. Yeah, the, <laughs> that's more or less what he said. The Prime Minister was nothing but a self-centred man who would twist events to his own advantage, who richly deserved his ultimate downfall. And not only the Prime Minister. Oh, no. There was, the, 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 um, there was a middle-aged woman in the Cabinet. Oh, I yes. can't remember. She's the one who was going to take over at the end. Yes. I'd watch her because she's a cow. Yeah. But the one when, that suggested the type of children that exactly yeah. she seemed t- she seemed to think it was acceptable to say all right well any kids that hang around on street corners they can go yeah so that all the good little children can live it's something that i noticed at the beginning i think it was episode three or episode four when the four five six made its demands mm. they were children by the time episode four uh, four or five come along they were no longer being called children they were commodities they were units yeah. units that's it yeah one of my favourite lines was when the American general arrived and he shook hands with the prime minister and said the president would like me to convey and you're thinking his greatest respect his greatest respect etc 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 his complete and utter fury <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I did like that the fact that the Americans don't like the fact that the aliens have made contact with her thinking it's the first time because we've got our noses did they not realise the last time this happened their Prime Minister got zapped by a (laughs) Doclavane or they got a very short memory (laughs) he he was good the American general he kept his temper well yeah restrained fury for a whole out one character we definitely need to mention is Alice Mm. who I guessed didn't I you did I guessed you did did. was Jack's daughter Mm. who's about 10 years older than him. I think so, or, or at least the same age. And yeah. and Jack is a granddaddy. Yes. To little Stephen, little innocent Stephen. <laughs> little poor, doomed, innocent Stephen. <laughs> Not we're giving it away, folks. Dead <laughs> boy walking. <laughs> The first episode, for me, on first viewing, seemed quite slow. Because they were introduced yeah. to so many characters, families, basically, we've tortured, we've never seen yeah. before. Yeah. But they all did figure into it later on in the story. Yeah, I, I have to say, certainly re-watching the first episode mm-hmm. and watching it with foreknowledge, you yeah. can see the pieces being slotted into oh, place. Yeah. Just people you don't even recognise, yeah. actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but watching it in retrospect, you can see the gun being loaded. Oh, yeah. I also like the first episode, and there's a lot of setups. Yes. In that you think you know who's going to be the new doctor yeah. on board. And you get the feeling all these characters are being built in that are going to replace characters that we've yeah. lost previously. And then suddenly and they're lying dead on the floor. set up <laughs> yeah. kind of style. It's yeah. Yeah. very much to trick the viewer. Oh, yeah. And you see him shoot Jack. It's going, what? <laughs> and then him himself being shot. It's going, oh, dear. So, so he isn't the new <laughs> doctor. Oh. No. Jack did a lot of very impressive coming back from the dead. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Lots of gasping. I have a question on this one. Go on then. Captain Jack is now officially Captain Scarlet. Yes, yes. Yeah, it has been named. And bum, 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 bum. they recover his head, his torso, and an arm. And an arm. Yeah. Which regenerates. Yeah. yeah. Can the other bits regenerate? Does this mean there's more than one Captain Jack? I Does the left it. arm regenerate? Oh. Did the lower legs nah. regenerate? Did other bits regenerate? <laughs> I mean, or do you just have to have the head? This could I be the potential think- to how we have more stories I, I think it's he regenerates where the how can I put maximum amount of him is I'm not sure it's even that I think it's wherever Rose wants him to regenerate 
<laughs> I see. When Rose is in the time stream, yeah. she probably foresaw all of these deaths. Rose is the bad wolf. Yeah, and it's probably her or an imprint of her left in the time vortex. Seeing where he's needed. Well, then she's yeah. a silly cow, because he should have regenerated in the uh, ruins of Torchwood. <laughs> then he wouldn't have had to go through all that being <laughs> hidden in concrete nonsense. <laughs> but then we wouldn't have had the fantastic moment where oh, he's yeah. been dropped off the cliff, the concrete <laughs> breaks, he's stark naked, Gwen hands him a jacket, which he throws over his shoulder and walks off buck naked. Yeah, I, 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 and he does mention this, uh, after being broken out of his concrete tomb, the buck naked Jack is offered a coat to cover his modesty. Accepting the coat with his trademark toothy smile of his, he casually slings it over his shoulder and walks off. The, the bit I have to point out of that scene is Eve Miles, who plays Gwen Cooper, yep. deliberately not looking. You can see her quite a few times not looking at him. Funny from real life too. So, yeah. Not looking at him what? He's, he's such a shy lad, isn't yeah. he? We've said it yeah. before. Yeah. I think, yeah, he probably actually bribed the writer to put that in. So, well, <laughs> so I did, I did notice before the concrete bit when he was on the, in the cell uh, fully regenerated on the CCTV camera. Yeah. They had the writing of the camera coming over it's certain parts <laughs> of his anatomy so you couldn't quite see. Really? Yeah, tactfully positioned. Yeah, it was yeah. tactfully time and day and oh, such okay. things. I thought you could see everything. No, you no, couldn't see everything. very hard, I have to say. But <laughs> <laughs> his knob was covered by the number two. Was it? <laughs> She rewound to look twice. I did. I've got the magnifying frame. glass out. <laughs> I've got it on Blu-ray if you want to take a We've got to remember, it was cold. <laughs> I have a question, though. Go on, then. How many times did Jack die in Children of Earth? All right, let's work this out. He got. He was dead when they cut him open to put the bomb in. Yeah, Once. He was shot in the hospital by the doctor. Yeah, and then, then he they recovered put the bomb in and, and shot and him he again. Blew. Oh, yes, yes they, they shot did. him again, again in the hospital. He recovered. Oh, yes, it does work. Blam, right, put yeah. the bomb in. So then shot they twice blew, there. Then he was blown up. Yep. Sorry. Then yep. he was sealed in the concrete, which was yep. before. Yeah. Yep. Suffocate him. Uh, He's poisoned. He was infected he was with, the with the anto. That's five. Five, then. No, there's six. There's another one. Hmm. Oh, crikey. Did he go in with the four, five, six? No, no he didn't go in. No. Episode one, he gets shot twice and blown up. Yeah. yeah. Episode two, he gets suffocated. He poured in the I concrete. I suppose the drop could the drop. Him. Yeah, and it no, shattered. No, I think that's counted as one. He's, he's yeah. Then he suffocated. Clem shot right, him. Clem shot him. Yes, when, yes. when he came... In. Yeah, the bad man, oh, the bad man. Yes, and yeah, yeah. Because that then threw Clem over the edge, saying, "This is impossible." Yeah. Not the fact that the guy looks exactly the same forty-four. The fact you <laughs> shot him and he's come back from the dead. <laughs> when he's finally alive and gets dressed, but he's moaning, sweatpants, yeah. t-shirt, <laughs> no style, no class. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Now, of course. For those who don't know, this is a very sad episode. I actually have some news to go with the sadness of oh, this episode. Because oh okay. we lose Yanto. Yes. And we didn't see that one coming, did no, we? No, that, that completely no. gobsmacked me. Totally out of the blue. We thought, we thought after uh, the end of last season that they pared the cast down as much as they could. Yeah, but no. No, they get rid of the sweetest little thing in the world. Puppy dog. And that's Jack's thoughts. <laughs> Poor old Yanto gets poisoned. And this has affected people so much yeah. that... An online campaign has been launched which has raised £3,000 for children in need 
to save Ianto Jones. Save him? He's dead. Too no, late. they want him saved. As one of as one of the uh, campaign organisers says, though we, his devoted fans, still hope that he'll come back, it's still sci-fi, and in sci-fi, death can be reversed, can't it? We mourn him. <laughs> Timey-wimey. In the yeah. series, he died saving the children of Earth, so it seemed fitting to honour his memory by helping the children in need. I think <laughs> this is an American group because they've spelt honour wrong. <laughs> no, the BBC have taken this all in their stride. They've said, it's fantastic to see that Torchwood has obviously Obviously touched the emotions of so many people, which reading between the lines means tough. He's dead. Yep. That's pretty much what Russell T Davies was saying at yeah. Comic Con. Yeah. yeah. Do we know if it was the actor who wished to leave the series, or if the writers just gave him an option he couldn't refuse? I think it was written that way. Yeah. Because yeah. that was, you know, if you you were starting to think, oh, this is getting a bit samey, all of a sudden that woke you up again. Mm. <laughs> I'd like to point out Andy again yeah, has yeah. actually touched upon this. Uh, yes, there is also moments of tragedy as well. There is nothing so pointless as a needless death. And Jack's world comes crashing down around him once again when 456 release a virus in the enclosed environment of Thames House. And he has to cradle Yanto in his arms as he watches him die. Most of the relationship that Jack formed were fleeting and ephemeral, but the relationship him and Yanto, both as an employer and lover, went far deeper than normal. After seeing both Owen and Tosh suffer and die at the hands of Captain John and his very own brother, whom he thought dead, he has to see the very last person who worked in the Torchwood Hub die at the hands of a sadistic alien. That takes us back to one of the radio plays where Yanto was talking to the unconscious Jack. Deadline. And said to him, I guess to you I'm just a blip in time. Yeah. Yeah. And then when Yanto wasn't with an earshot, because of course Jack's a man and can't possibly tell him, he says, Yanto Jones, you'll never be a blip in time. Oh my god! Because <laughs> even those are recorded after Children of Earth. The Children of Earth is recorded quite a while. Yeah, yeah, sort of in retrospect. So, in many ways, it's not impossible for Yanto to come back in a story set before. Yeah. Because you can hardly set a story after <laughs> Children of Earth, can you? No. Tragic death seems to be the the thing in this. You have um, yes. Frobisher, who, in many ways, his death was pointless, given what happened in the end. Although, as Jean yeah. said, it did trigger his secretary into actually taking yeah. action. Then you have Yanto, and then you have little Stephen. <laughs> and this was where I lost all sympathy for Jack at all yeah <laughs> yes because as a parent uh-huh. and hopefully one day a grandparent if i knew i had to sacrifice a kiddie to save the world or the world would blow up be destroyed be consumed there's no way in hell it would be my own grandchild i would go out into the street and grab a baby from the nearest <laughs> passing mother before blessed? no before i would sacrifice my own grandchild i would just grab someone i didn't know and they would be sacrificed there's just no way that's just playing devil's just murdering somebody off the street yeah <laughs> if you yeah one day it'll happen to you one day you'll <laughs> you'll have a grandchild and nothing on god's green earth would make you hurt it See, yeah but that means jack is above such Mitch jack is a bastard because playing... the only reason he went back to see his daughter was because oh, yeah. he knew the kid would be useful he well, knew it was something to do with the children and oh yeah i've got a grandson so he goes back to see her just so 
he can use his grandson and look what happened. I also got the feeling there were some parodies being drawn with the Doctor because you had the whole thing with the Doctor and Rose and the Doctor sort of basically saying to Rose, you know, he can't be a lover because he's going to have to watch her grow old. Ditto Yanto yeah. Jack. Jack's going to have to watch Yanto grow old kind of style. Mm. Then you've got the Doctor actually is the one allegedly responsible for blowing up Gallifrey and effectively killing his own family who was still yeah. alive on Gallifrey. Suddenly, Captain Jack has to kill part of his own family who are alive, only it's a bit more personal and up close, but at the same time loses his daughter. And I got the feeling there were some similarities being drawn mm, about maybe. these ageless yeah. wanderers through time who outlive those around them. And gives you the link between the face of yeah. Bo and and the Doctor. So what you're yeah. saying that Jack decided to save himself the agony of watching his grandson <laughs> grow old and die before him by offing him when he was ten. Well, so, so, play, playing devil's advocate, I think he was out of time. He had yeah. no time to go out there and grab another child. Mm. All the other children were already corralled in the playgrounds. Not and... all of them. Only ten percent of them. Where was the base that they were based at? Most army bases aren't right next Door to a bunch of school kids, and that you've got to be kidding. School kids are everywhere. Uh, no, I, everyone was keeping them in because of them going do yeah. that and going. We are, we are. <laughs> I, I think no, I'm sorry, you could have found one nowhere. They're right next to a quarry. I mean, they put it. Yeah, I'd have played there as a kid. <laughs> so you're saying that the Doctor should have let the Daleks overrun the universe rather than blow up Gallifrey, killing his potential children, grandchildren, great great children. No, I'm saying Jack's a bastard, and there is no way in hell I feel any sympathy for him and I wish his daughter had shot him in the head. But Jack's got form anyway. He sacrificed a child back in that fairy story, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Let them take the child. Yeah. But also, I think personally, the Jack we saw at the end was to a certain extent to a broken man. He'd gone missing for six months and could no longer stand to be on the planet with them. Good. He looked like he was going, to my mind, he's going to be going on a bender for about a millennium or two. <laughs> Not another one. <laughs> <laughs> a drunken bender. Oh, okay. God. <laughs> that, that's something I was quite disappointed about in that, as we said, this was a story where Torchwood actually did grow up. Yeah. 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 And it, out in Gwen's case. And grow out yeah. in Gwen's case. And it was a very good, a very addictive story. The writing was good. Yeah. Okay, some of it was a bit padded, padded <laughs> and some of it was a bit rushed and some of it was, yeah, I've seen this before. But generally, on the whole, it was a very yeah. well acted, very well written and produced. And it also was getting the kind of audiences BBC and ITV haven't got for an awful long time. Yeah. Yeah. And the end of it's killed the series. You know, OK, well, it can come back. Yeah. But you've got the feeling that, yes. that this is it. Yeah, There's only Torchwood is now, what, Jack, who's just gone halfway across the universe, and a pregnant Gwen. I, yeah. I, th- I think there's Torchwood. Torchwood up in Scotland, but that's about it. <laughs> but not our, but not our yeah. Torchwood, no, not our no. Captain Jack Torchwood. And I kind of felt that, are they going to do some more one-off spin-offs and then how are they going to bring these back together? Well, we do have Lois out there, don't we? Lois Habiba. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I got the feeling that the, I can't remember her name, but the commander that went around shooting him, putting him in concrete, yeah. and then in the end thought, actually, this... I may be on the wrong side here. I got the feeling she could probably end up becoming yeah. part of the Torchwood yep. 
crew as well. We thought she was going to come to a sticky end we, at first, didn't at we? At one point in time. Yeah. There, was, there was a couple of people in it who I thought should have come to a sticky end, but seemed to get away scot-free. The scientists. Oh, he was oh, horrible. Yeah. He was a creep. He really was, was relishing. Yes. Oh, kill the child. Yeah. Kill the child. You couldn't even rub in his yeah. And when they were gassing everyone, who's first in the life ship? Or rather the space suit type yeah. thing to kill yeah. himself. Yeah. Environmental suit. He was a genuinely suit. nasty little yeah. man. Yeah. This is why he survived <laughs> so long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. Sort of person you really would expect to be working in MI5. That's, to my mind, is what put it adult above Doctor Who, is the fact that people who deserve punishment doesn't necessarily get, get it. it. Yeah. There's that. And yeah, the real thing grown up and intelligent is that there are a lot of hard questions where there are no easy answers no. at all. Mm. No. Like, how do you select 10% yeah. of the child yeah. population? I did like the line, though, that she had, well, what's the point of doing all these assessments if you don't use them? You kind of sit there thinking, this is the way that information be. can be manipulated yeah, sometimes. it would be done. I must admit, I, my first thought when I said they had to get 10%, before they came up with the league day, before all of that, while they're still talking about random, I thought, IQ tests. Yeah. The lowest 10% of the IQ. Yeah. yeah. But then... Don't trust then him anymore. Then you've got... You'd have complete little sods who are very intelligent but would rob their own granny for a fiver. Yeah. And you've got kids with special needs who wouldn't hurt a fly, bring joy to everyone, but they're not going to pass the IQ test. So, you know... How do you make that choice? Exactly. Then? You're the one in the room that makes sure your child isn't on the list. Yeah. Oh, and wasn't that just... Oh, well, that's you, just, so you wanted to punch him. <laughs> I mean, that, that's again... Well, you, you just said that you, you would, would do exactly... That's the thing, though. You'd yeah. do exactly the same thing. Yeah. But it's true. If you're in that room, you're in the cabinet, you know what's going to happen. You make damn sure your kids is safe. At the end of it, it was basically straight down to a fight of survival. You mm. and yours mm. yeah. are kept safe. Give a damn to the rest. Yeah, which is why, partly why they went for failing schools. Oh, sure yeah. None of their kids would be in a failing school. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I do hope if they do make some more Torchwood, that as much as there were episodes I loved of series one and two, mm. there were some that weren't, but every programme has its peaks and troughs. Mm. I, I really enjoyed this intensive yeah. strong story but it's how often you could do that yeah. they're running out of cast members <laughs> well I, I i have looked at the internet before i came out here and bbc are confirming season four are they? of oh. torchwood because john barrowman got really arsy didn't he? he went on the record as saying the bbc have made a huge mistake yeah. killing off torchwood yeah I would like to ask, what was people's thoughts of the 456? Oh, The actual physical presence of it, what we saw of it. Yeah, the first few episodes, you didn't see anything. You you saw the steam, you... Vomit. Yeah. (laughs) The claws. And I was really worried they were going to spoil the whole effect by showing us the whole creature. Yeah. And they didn't. They did it absolutely right. You occasionally saw a tentacle, you saw something odd pressed up against the glass. A a child. (laughs) Captain Jack. Ah, right. I keep banging on about this, but it's the... The bug syndrome. Yeah. Didn't see the bug, so therefore it's always worse in your yeah. head. Oh yeah, they definitely made the right decision by obscuring it in the, the gas. Completely. Um, it. I also like the fact they made them quite repulsive. Yes. They were vile, weren't they? They were they alien. Were. The, yeah. But also I liked the fact that the vocoder, the voice for it, yeah. was so smug. <laughs> <laughs> it was in command. It knew it was in command. Yeah. And these mm. piffling little apes couldn't do a thing to yeah. hurt it. Yeah, at the same time, they were junkies. And that's yeah. all they were. And didn't that little kid look as if he, he looked like a heroin addict? Mm. Yeah. I have to say, some of that whole interaction between them being junkie 
movies remind me of Britain in the Empire when we had the whole opium wars mm, yeah. and the whole empire was run over opium and China didn't want us to sell us the opium and we went to war over yeah. it. And I don't know if it was deliberate, but there was this thing in my mind that we've got this off of you once. You're going to continue to You're give gonna it, do it to again us at a cheaper price. It was almost like the empire going in saying, well, we had this, we want the same at the same deal yeah. kind of style. I found that quite interesting. So Crum- Crumbly hits upon this as uh, the 456 was truly repugnant, both in fleeting glimpses of that we saw of it and the ultimate use to which the children who were taken by them were put to. E.T. is an idea that the 456 was nothing but a bunch of parasitical leech-like aliens feeding off the life essences of children because it gave them a narcotic-like high is something of a taboo subject as the very nature. Children are the most vulnerable members of our society and to see them exploited like this could only elect a strong reaction of disgust for many normal human beings. I did wonder if the 456 just went round universes kidnapping young kids to find out which one of them gave them a high yeah. or not. Which one tasted nice. Right, yeah. so, so yeah. That, that's it. The group of 12 was the experimental sample. We'll see what this does. Yeah, it was your little baggy. Yeah. Yeah, it was your freebie to yeah. get your And then we come mm. back with the... Uh, Yeah. Your sample. Yeah. Clem, who was left behind the first time, so he only took 11. But how did he become linked with the four five? I don't know. That that isn't explained promptly. It's probably something to do with the light that he ran off beforehand. Because when that thing exploded, he was kind of almost caught in the the field or the draft because it knocked into the ground. And it did mention, or the four five six did mention Clem as the remnant. Yeah, it knew about him. Yeah. I wondered if it was using him to spy on Earth perhaps could yeah. have been left behind yeah. their eyes and ears in the meantime yeah well it's certainly his senses had been enhanced in yeah. some way kind of backfired though because didn't he spend his entire life in a mental home yeah yeah <laughs> pretty much cool sod yep <laughs> the one thing I was a bit suspicious of it's a story about children and we know the aliens have come to get the children and oh Gwen's pregnant <laughs> I, I was yeah. kind of waiting for something to happen to the baby yeah. or the pregnancy I really yeah. was and for once I was surprised they didn't walk into the obvious <laughs> Yeah. I did like the moment when she was told she was pregnant, though. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Panic. And poor old Reese, Jack finds out before he does. Yeah. Yeah. Despite Story being a bit of, of a thicky in the radio play, he was good in this. Yeah. He I, was very heroic when yeah. they were saving the children at the I end. I think you're right, he was a bit of a thicky. But also he suggested, like, let me carry the bag, keep your trigger finger free. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> again, the obvious thing. Yeah. But yeah. And Yanto's family. He ain't stupid. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yanto's family, oh. the worst kind of chav but weren't they brilliant oh yeah yeah it's hard to believe he's really from that family yeah <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't quite seem the same yeah. class really. his bro- was it his brother-in-law yeah. um yanto's <laughs> his sister said i won't tell anyone it's a family thing mm-hmm. when yanto told her he was gay yeah and brother in <laughs> brother-in-law walks in smacks him on the back and says all right gay boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh dear he isn't gay it's only jack yeah, yeah. <laughs> But the whole um, the whole turning hope and their home to the kids to keep them oh, safe yeah. at a ten or a throw it was yeah. it was genius. Yeah. But I like the fact that initially it was a ten or a throw. But when the mum realised what was going on, it, it was, was like just get those kids in this exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, it was clear from the plot's point of view they needed a family that would be in the failing ten percent. Yeah, you, you, and they definitely yeah. were. You needed again from the plot. You needed the everyman point of view. Yeah. Torchwood is by its nature is elevated they understand and everything's going on then there's, there's and not, even more so here because yeah. we're talking about the government all the time yeah they're, they're not quite superhuman but they're above us plebs 
Speak for yourself. Yeah, <laughs> so, so you needed you needed the pleb point of view, which was yeah. uh, yeah, the rest of Yanto's family. But anything negative to say about it? Um, well, the password thing irked me, <laughs> and Jack being a I was bastard. A bit disappointed by the ending. I thought it was a bit reverse polarity. It was on flow. The ending did feel slightly hurried to me. Yeah, mm. it's good that they had to sacrifice a child to do it. Yeah, but, <laughs> <It's not. laughs> but that, if it weren't that sacrifice, it would just be oh, let's flip a switch, switch. and yeah. turn yeah. back the yeah. same thing on them. Yeah, which is a bit too easy, a bit too dodgy. Yeah, yeah, there is that to it, but. To my mind, it is only a small part because I was basically I was so wrapped up. It carried me along, and I didn't yeah. mind that small trip. Mm. Yeah. I just found it was a shame that they couldn't actually use that wormy so and so the government yeah. to use as a focus, but he was too old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and afterthought, I did like the contact lenses. Oh yes, yeah. Whereby um, they not, weren't new; they were in last season. Yeah, oh, were they? Oh, yeah, they Martha were brilliant. Used them. Martha used them. Oh, it shows how much I watched, doesn't it? <laughs> but what what got me is Gwen had a copy of these contact lenses in the bedroom. Yep. What was she using them for? <laughs> it was is this heavily implied it has been used? For... Yeah. Is is this another stopwatch moment? Yeah. <laughs> it is an adult TV series. Old <laughs> home videos. Yes. <laughs> so we'd like to see more. Of this kind of thing. Oh yes, definitely. yes, it's, definitely. It's real event TV like we've not had yeah. in this country for years. Yeah, and it worked really well. It did really well ratings wise. It worked so wonderfully well. Could they repeat it? I and don't that's, know. That's it. Well, how about just one a year? You know, not. Well, yeah, that would be great. Know. But they've got so much to do to, to re- rebuild. Started. Yeah. yeah. Here they went straight in. They did explain things for new people, but it came in running. Yeah. Mm. Oh, it hit the ground running the definitely. Fly. Whereas in season four, they'd have to rebuild. Yeah. And that's Taken literally we've got a rift running through cardiff yeah. the whole of torchwood has exploded who's walking in there who's looking after the rift is it unit is it the next section of torchwood so something's got to be Maybe. done about this rift is this where we're going to get mickey and martha back could be Maybe. could be Maybe. if they get them under contract this time <laughs> yeah. Yeah. won't make that mistake again <laughs> and you to be honest i'm kind of glad they weren't here oh yeah yeah no offense to either but i don't think they'd necessarily be strong enough characters especially mickey how would mickey have fitted into this. I don't yeah, know. I don't think he would have done at all. Wouldn't seem quite right. The main characters filled your screen for the oh, yeah. five episodes, yeah. and the other characters were very, very good. They were, but I think their strength was that they weren't main part of the Torchwood characters. Yeah, yeah. The replacement for Martha was Lois. Yes. How would Martha have got into Frobisher's office and all that? Yeah. She would presumably have pretended to be the a temp, temp, but that just would have stretched credibility a bit. Just more. a bit, because at least you got the impression Lois had been through some vaguely competent training, training. thing yeah. Yeah. and Frobisher knows Torchwood why wouldn't he recognise her yeah. Yeah. and Eunice indeed he, yeah, he, know, he yeah. knows Eunice he'd have a file on her so I'm okay. glad in a way that they weren't in it but it does leave them free to come back as the only surviving potential members of Torchwood so here's to season four yes, yeah. yes. yes. yep very much Right, naturally enough, you've all been writing about Torchwood. Well, yeah. Some of you quite extensively. <laughs> right, we've heard from Chris, who Hello. says, Hello. Greetings, staggering stories, team, and hi to the head of Pertwee. <laughs> I'm glad to hear my poem went down reasonably well with oh, you yeah. all. Yes, it took me a whole morning trying to think up rhymes to the whole thing. <laughs> anyway, I will try to keep these reviews as short as I can, because honestly, there's almost too much good stuff to discuss. Yeah. Indeed. Children of Earth, day one, the terror begins. 
Day one starts off like you would expect any normal Torchwood episode to start, just another day but rapidly becomes something more. I must give credit to Euros Lynn for all the crowd shots of the silent and mostly still children. <laughs> Over in London we get introduced to both John Frobisher and immediately it's made clear in his first scene with the PM he's under the thumb. Mm. Lois Habiba is also introduced as the outsider coming in and discovers quite a lot on her first day. Never before has a username and password <laughs> been so vital to a television programme. <laughs> Elsewhere, <laughs> good dialogue with Gwen leaving Wales and the scene between her and Clement was excellent. Yeah. I thought mm-hmm. both family scenes were well used in this episode, even if Jack's daughter was a little underused later. Mm-hmm. However, I have to give Russell tons of praise for what he did with Dr. Rapesh. Yeah. Wonderfully constructed character and fooled me, mm-hmm. and I dare say yep. a few of you completely. Yep. This truly was one of the big plot twists in the whole story. Finally, the ending was probably the best of the pseudo cliffhangers. Mm. Children of Earth, day two. The Fugitives. Day two was probably the low point of the story, which doesn't mean it was bad, just that things were being put in place for the 456 arrival the next day. This episode does reintroduce two of Torchwood's semi-regulars, PC Andy and Reese. One who mostly a comedic effect, which was great. The other, because Jack was out for most of the episode, was much more involved in the main thrust of the story. Mm-hmm. I found Eve, Miles and Kai Owen's double act throughout this episode just wonderful. Speaking of Jack, I found one of the most unnerving bits of the episode was the moving bag of body parts. <laughs> Not nice. He managed to recover enough that the hair grew back on his head, I must stress. Some nice bits with Yanto talking to his sister in the park again. However, him driving a JCB, extracting a room-sized concrete cube and dropping it from the quarry was my moment of the episode. <laughs> Children of Earth, day three, the enemy within. Day three was where I felt the emphasis shifted into the politicians and theme Thames House. The scene where the 456 survived was a wonderful piece of acting from Peter Capaldi, conveying both genuine restrained terror at conversing with another species and nervousness about saying the right thing. Definitely. Interestingly, Mr Decker was standing behind Frobisher the whole time and since he was breathing on the glass tank at the end of the previous episode and was acting oddly from day one, I thought he might have some other connection to the 456, but that was never brought up again. Once more, the PM puts the responsibility of officially go-between into Frobisher's hands, notching up the pressure on him ever so slightly. Elsewhere, we have Hub 2 set up, with the Torchwood team dabbling into a little thievery. It could be said that the contacts were a plot device, but I like them. But being able to reuse the same ones again, wow, this must be high technology. (laughs) Good saline wash. Yeah. Children of Earth, Day 4, Moment's Decision. Day 4 is probably the best episode of Torchwood Children of Earth is by no means the most enjoyable to watch. The heart of this episode has to be the conference with the politicians and soldiers debating how to meet the 456's demands. Having to sit through that was not pleasant in the slightest, but held me in my seat. Also, the fact that we discover the 456 as one of the children incorporated into itself was a horrible image put on the screen, but again compelling. This definitely is one where the situation took a step up and just how serious it was. Oddly, I thought Colonel O'Doya had regenerated to Nick Briggs, as I'm sure they were sitting in exactly the same seat. Elsewhere, we get a bit of character development from Agent Johnson, which is surprising, so I didn't expect the character to go that way. I'm going to say it now. Yes, Yanto dies at the end. Oh. And in that moment, it was heartbreaking. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I also have to give Yuris Lin props for the scene taking place elsewhere, with the people running for the exits in slow motion. 
And looking back now, I don't feel as affected by this as some other people do. Let's not forget Clement also died at the end of this. This episode just left me with nothing much to hope for. The final episode, but seriously, well done, John Fay, for doing that. Children of Earth, Day 5, the final battle. Some of Day 5's best bits are harrowing stuff. The scene with the children driven away in the bus. The revelation of what the 456 needed the children for. Gwen and Reese with the children running from the soldiers. The riot scene on the council estate. I was pleased to see PC Andy make the right decision being cheered on no doubt by many people watching at home i clapped yeah (laughs) however possibly the most shocking thing was what happened to john frobisher seriously i praise peter capaldi to the skies for his acting in this episode Mm. Mm. firstly for losing it with the pm after being pushed too far and the whole sequence with the gun tragic the resolution of the situation with jack having to sacrifice his grandson was the best way the situation could have been resolved within one day (laughs) (laughs) anything else would not have been as good or would have taken much longer so I don't forget I liked that you never really saw what the 456 looked like and Mm. the tank reminded me of Quatermass 2 well done I felt the revelation that Bridget revealing she was wearing the contacts to record the PM's decision right at the end was the second plot twist I couldn't see coming overall well done to everyone on this production and hoping many awards come its way it really does deserve them Six months later, an end and a beginning. Jack leaves and Gwen is pregnant. The two are not connected. <laughs> Torchwood, are you sure? is, well, Torchwood is supposedly over. However, the team in Cardiff do have some options for a new series, should they do that. One, brand new series without Jack or Gwen. Mm. Two, new series with Gwen, not pregnant, obviously, and a new team. Three, new series with Mickey and Martha. I'm sorry, it sounds like a poor American 50s thing, doesn't it? <laughs> Mickey and Martha. Four, Victorian Torchwood, part, sort of like Casualty 1909, with some of the characters seen in season two and Jack as a supporting character. Character, although I don't know how Mr. Barrowman would feel about a supporting role. <laughs> Apologies if this went on too long, but it really was good. If I think of anything else to write and tell you about, I will. Cheers, Chris. Excellent, thank you. Thank you. You did it a lot better than we did, more precise. A lot more succinct. Yeah. And quicker. Well, is that the same word for the same so thing? Think roughly the same thing. Uh, we've got one Torchwood related from Scardis. Hello. Hello. Hello, everyone. And to the failed Autron clone of the Third Doctor, or what's left of it anyway. <gasps> we haven't said hello to him, have we? <gasps> no, no. Hello, hello Head of Pertwee. Who's still wearing his party hat? He is. He's the, the 50th. His smiley party He's hat. He's still got cake round his mouth. That's disgusting. Up his nose. Ugh, dear, you need to give him a bath. <laughs> anyway, that paints up a horrible mental image. Yeah, him and me in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, no, 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 no. Adam in the bath playing with his head. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, Scardis. Yeah. Uh, right. I hope you are all well, and I welcome the fine newcomer to your midst. That's what? you. That's you. I was going to say, what fine newcomer okay. to this? Here follows my much anticipated. <laughs> And well thought out views on that extravagant week of viewing that was tortured children of Earth. I really liked it. Insert cricket noises and watch the tumbleweed drift by. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right, a bit more thoughts. A nice way of getting rid of everything tortured was in day one. From Big Brother narrated impersonations, see a Tim Dodd podcast. Having the SUV hijacked by the Moon Patrol, though I reckon Tosh might have left an Asmos surprise for the thieves. (laughs) And getting rid of the hub by giving Captain Jack a spot of indigestion. I'm sure we've all been there, or felt like we have anyway. Although unnamed throughout, I still reckon the 456 was a pre-devolved version of the Markra. 
Again with digestion problems, but who keeps going in there to clean windows after Mac, sorry, the 456 spewed up in that menacing way, I wonder. <laughs> we said at the time that we thought it was the Macra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Self-cleaning glass as well. Well, it was down to their specifications, wasn't it? The gas maybe eroded yeah, yeah, yeah. Lois Habiba was good. She reminded me a lot of Martha's sister, Letty Tish, from Series 3. That mm. bloke from Pompeii was really good as well. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope his kids got a pony each in heaven (laughs) as for the pm whoever thought would like to have harriet jones back hmm? she would have had torchwood and unit working together on a situation like this i could see the ancient johnson girl working for the master in the year that never was and possibly a future torchwood operative as well Mm. yeah james moran the episode three writer was nice enough to answer one small question in the back of my mind Whatever happened to Sarah Jane Smith? Because you'd imagine that if Luke, Varney, Maria and Clyde were too old to be hypnotised by the 456, Sarah would still notice the news and have Mr Smith investigate, to which James Moran replied, Oh, look, over there, and metaphorically ran away. (laughs) I'm sure Russell T Davis had some excuse tucked away in the back of his mind for when some obsessive fan asks him the question at a con. It won't be me asking, I promise, nor will I lose sleep over it. I should make an honourable mention to the radio plays from the week before. Asylum was a wonderful piece of character drama, played really well from all involved, especially Tom Price as PC Andy and Erin Richards as Frida. Mm. I was halfway through James Goss's tortured book Almost Perfect when Golden Age play come on. I thought the play was okay, nothing special. The book was horrible. The deadline again was one where the supporting cast shone through well. Kai Owen and Donna Kroll as Stella was good additions. I liked their contributions. Deadline story was again not really the strongest. Anyway, nice podcast 50, nice preview of season 4 27, although you may have had some security issues as some old fogey and his plucky assistant snuck in. <laughs> old Presidente sounded a bit out of kilter with his end of podcast credits. Hope he's better this week. All the best. Scardis. No, yeah. was you not feeling well? <laughs> I think somebody got in. That's the problem. Before I read any letters, I'd like to just say one thing. Uh-huh. Win, have <laughs> I upset you? You haven't written to me this week. <laughs> Win doesn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> And we had a subliminal message all set up. Yes. It was yeah, a brilliant one. It's fantastic. There were going to be drums and fireworks. Yes. Trumpets and orchestras you know, yep. and a we're, choir there. We're not going to do that now. No, no we're not. No, you didn't no. write to us. No. Anyway, dear Staggering Stories team, this is from A. Stephen. Hello, Hello. A. Stephen. Hello. <laughs> Although I am pretty sure this will reach you far too late to be in the podcast, I thought I would congratulate you on reaching your 50th podcast. An impressive feat. I enjoyed every single one. I shall raise a glass to you whilst I dine in Valhalla tonight. That's right. I am, in fact, Thor. Well, that's it. A. Stephen. Just kidding. I'm not really Thor. Got you there. Here's my best friend, though. Stephen, see you at next Warpurge's Nucked. <laughs> OK. <laughs> have one here from Leslie. Oh, Ooh. Leslie. Hello, Hi, Leslie. Leslie. Hi, Leslie. She says, dear team. Hello. No head of poetry. <laughs> uh, let me first apologise for my prolonged absence. I have no excuse, except the thing that's called a real life. Oh, uh, we had one of those ones, didn't we? Once. Yeah. I'm indeed alive and in Wales living the dream of pretending to be British. <laughs> <laughs> and avoiding Cardiff like the plague. <laughs> <laughs> if you can find me a full-time job you'll be able to help Leslie stay in the UK longer <laughs> I just happened to listen to podcast 49 and was touched by the message at the end Aww. Aww. 
Gind, I am very sorry. I have missed you. <laughs> I try from now on to make time to listen more often. As you may have guessed, editing my own fancy the terrible Zodin plug, plug, has taken up a lot of time. I don't know if you've plugged it. We have. Worth a look. But if you have, I am grateful. Plug, plug. <laughs> Fake Keith, of course, had a great story published in The Terrible Zodin 3. I encourage all of Staggering Stories listeners to contribute to The Terrible Zodin. Plug, plug. I'm sure there'll be a link in the show notes for that. Oh, yeah. As for comments on 49, I don't know when you acquired Gene. <laughs> we just found her wandering the streets. There, burbling. Oh, yeah, more years ago than they want to oh, We don't go there. But it's great to hear her voice as well. No, it isn't. It's <laughs> my voice. I also liked Brian Miller. He was the snake. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Back in 49. Yeah. Anyway, I'd also like to see a Dalek cliffhanger in Destiny of the Cybermen. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else was delightful as always. Congratulations on making it to 50 and hope be around for many more. Leslie. Thank you, Leslie. P.S. If you're good one day, I may send you an MP3 of feedback. Ooh. Hear my Welshized American accent. <laughs> look forward to it. Yeah. Leslie part two. <laughs> the revenge. Mm. There's a second part here. Yeah, but definitely if people want to send an MP3 feedback, we would indeed welcome it. It was yep. trying to read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we'll Our reading ability is not that great. Words not easy to us. Not this time of night. So Leslie returns and says, Hi team, I've just listened to the 50th podcast. It was an unadulterated delight to hear the genuine joy and silliness propagated by you all. You should have been here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a lot worse. No doubt the cake and coffee helped. It did. Yep. I OD'd. <laughs> after long depression that was Torchwood, this was the perfect pick-me-up. It's strange, after almost two years of listening to you, I feel like I know you all even though I've never met you. Right. Someday I will get to Crawley. <laughs> oh lord. I'll never leave. My favourite bit was when Fakey said to their favourite part about the Tenth Doctor was... Oh, he's just lovely. <laughs> Other than that, too many funny moments to name. Looking forward to becoming a regular listener again. Leslie. Thank you again, Thank you. Leslie. Thank you. Welcome We've back. heard from Eric. Not the Viking. I don't know. <laughs> Eric says, Dear team, including everyone's favourite severed head, real Keith. Pardon? <laughs> <laughs> Um, excuse me? Just finished listening to podcast number 50. Fake Keith, were you experiencing withdrawal from me? You called my name. It was touching. <laughs> Did I? You drew at night. <laughs> Eric says, just so you know, though, I play for the other team, so real Keith will have to do for now. You're in there, boy. I'm getting worried. I'm, As, thank you, but I'm a happily married man. As for the podcast, it was hysterical, especially the outtakes and Easter eggs. Loved the callbacks to podcast past, especially good old crotchety nanny island <laughs> keep up the good work very intrigued as to what you made of the torchwood extravaganza now you know here's to 50 more without you becoming dotty incontinent old nitwits too late too late <laughs> keep up the adequate to excellent work your american friend eric thank you eric thank you eric that's the first time i've ever been told that i do adequate to excellent <laughs> you work for the council <laughs> what do you expect he's nice is eric <laughs> He's nice. Owen, our friend. Hello, Owen. Hello, Owen. Is this Clive? Hi, Clive. Hello. Stop. I am sending this telegram. Stop. Stop. Because I don't have internet anymore. Stop. Thank, Thank God for arms. Stop. That's all done as one word. That it's is. very difficult to understand. <laughs> well done for your last podcast. It was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I recently bought The Stainless Steel Rat Revenge on Crumbly's recommendation. Yeah, yeah. Pass of the Perambulator on Crumbly's recommendation. Mm -hmm. right. Serenity on your recommendation. Excellent. It was awesome. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Some Star Trek DS9. 
and three films. <laughs> See, you only pause where there's a dot. No, no, that was for dramatic effect on the yes. words DS9. Nine. Oh, okay. <laughs> when I finished, I'll send feedback if I can. Yes, we're fine. You can Ooh. send feedback. That's a, that's a little bit of a cliffhanger. If I can. Love the new design of the website too. I win. Thank you. Watch this space. Another one for me, Stephen. Dear fake Keith. Hey, just me. Thank you for my pig, my rooster, and my sheep, and my horse. You're welcome. Is this something you should be telling me? <laughs> I called the rooster strawberry, <laughs> the horse chocolate, and the sheep vanilla, and the pig Neapolitan. I want my animals back. <laughs> see? See what I did there? I set up a Neapolitan thing because it's the type of ice cream that contains chocolate, strawberry, vanilla flavours. And also Neapolitan sounds slightly Napoleon. And Stephen, the pig was called Stephen, Napoleon. Think. This in is the a book. Doctor Who podcast, sci-fi podcast. <laughs> Back with us. Come on, Stephen. I am so cultured. <laughs> I Although would... the pig being called Napoleon does connect to what we were saying about the Amazon book thing. Yeah. Well, yes, it's called 1994 Animal Farm. Yeah. See, he knew in advance. Well done, Stephen. <laughs> You're a clever egg. I would return the gifts, but farm town bust on my computer. Then I'm going to my grandparents' house in Chichester, so I'll be looking out for Richard. You sure this is meant for us, not somebody else? <laughs> He's actually writing to his grandmother here, and she's got a letter saying... <laughs> this staggering stories. Podcast 50 was well funny. <laughs> the flaw in the plan being, I don't know what he looks like. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just breathing. Oh, yes, the rest of you exist as well. Oh, Adam, Lord. I heard you on the Box Room podcast. Oh, yes, indeed. You've been going on to someone else's podcast. You've been moonlighting. I did, I did. Didn't tell us about this. Yes, you did. Ah, crumbly. Have you noticed that the guy in the Water of Mars clip called Andy's face is crumbling? Ah. Jean, you have a nice voice. Stephen, you're a bit deaf. <laughs> Oh, that's underhanded. <laughs> I agree with Carol. <laughs> head of Pertry, your fortune-telling younger cousin, Head of Baker, wants to know why you don't visit anymore, or at least phone call. All he wants is a phone call. How can he? He he's has got no, no hands. hands to no, he could, could try his nose, you know. He could do, but he's got his party hat and cake on at yeah. the moment. He's cake on. <laughs> Keith, you're wacky. Thank you. I thank you. I thank you. My search for Mount Olympus continues. A eh, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. That was surreal. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, Stephen. If you'd like to write to us on absolutely anything, we could do with a good recipe for apple crumble. You can get in touch via the website at show at staggeringstories.net. Please write to us. Do I have one question before we go? Oh, one go question. On. How much wood would a torch would torch if a torch would could torch wood? Kindly leave the stage. <laughs> And on that bombshell, we slide slowly and gracefully <laughs> yeah, into the setting neon. Look forward to hearing us what? next time. Choir <laughs> <laughs> <Quite> memorial. <laughs> on Staggering Stories podcast number 52. So we're nutting light bulbs, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there'll be more news, reviews, fancy frying things this and that and the head of poetry see crumbly's so much better at i know but he are. writes it down beforehand that's a good idea <laughs> until next time we are fake keith saying bye adam saying goodbye gene saying au revoir and me real keith saying goodbye to you and you and you and and yes you there and and don't forget you keith, over there and so go goodbye home, and, no, i'm saying goodbye to them keith, each and every one in person gone goodbye home, keith. goodbye to you keith, and goodbye gone bye idiot Thank you.
You have been listening to the Staggering Stories Podcast, Series 1, Number 51, featuring Adam J. Purcell, Fate Keith, Gene Riddler, and the real Keith Dunn. Music expressed here, those are speaker, don't necessarily represent those other speakers or the site. No copyright infringements intended. This podcast is now presented production at www.staggeringstories.net. Now type in Helping Henry, because I'm sure I didn't dream it. No one else has heard of Helping Henry. I think I had tonsillitis once, and as a result watched Play School and everything accompanying it, and Helping Henry was brilliant. Or perhaps it was just a hallucination. <laughs> it might have been. But it was about aliens that went across the universe disguised as dining chairs. Stuff about Henry the Hoover. <laughs> You were hallucinating. No, I wasn't. <laughs> if anyone else can remember, talk about aliens disguised as dining, dining chairs, <laughs> troubling the cosmos, helping people. Please contact Keith. <laughs> no, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a hallucination. It went, Henry. I'm helping Henry, and I'm telling Henry everything I know. <laughs> Quite recent, 1988. <laughs> it's. What, Helping Henry? Yeah. 1988. That means you were a grown adult at the time. (laughs) Are we mentioning Captain Pugwash has died, by the way? Oh, yeah. Leaving semen stains behind. (laughs) (laughs) So he won't be watching the cabin boy anymore. (laughs) Or masturbates. (laughs) None of whom ever existed. I know, I know, I know. Willie the cabin boy did. Mm. Willie the cabin boy, yeah. Yeah. Tom the cabin boy Ah. and Willie. (laughs) Do you want to do Naya? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh. We haven't said hello to him. Oh, we haven't. No. Hello, head of Pertwee. We'll do that hello, hello again because that was crap. Okay. <laughs> Start again. <laughs>